0: Well good morning and welcome. Happy Palm Sunday to everybody. (coughs) We serve a risen king and so if you will please sing with us.
1: Father God, we come to you and we declare that you indeed are the King. Lord, you are all-powerful. You are all-knowing. You are never-changing. You are ever-present. You are filled with loving-kindness and mercy and grace to all those who call upon your name. Oh God, we need to be reminded of these truths every single day. Almost every single second of our life right now is... As we are living in in days of uncertainty. Lord, every Sunday as we gather, Father, I'm hoping things will be getting better, but every week we gather, it seems as though things have gotten a little bit worse. And we know these next couple weeks, Father, may, may be challenging and taxing for all of us. And so, Lord, we cling to these promises that you're all powerful, that you are king. That you are ruling and reigning and not for a second have you ceased to do that. That you, Father, are all-knowing. That you know our needs. You know our concerns. You know our fears and our anxieties. God, that you are all-loving. You love us. You're gracious to us. And, oh, Lord, I'm clinging to the truth that you are never changing. Because everything around us seems to be changing on a daily basis. But we can cling to you and who you are. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. So as we focus upon your being king today, we pray that you would encourage our hearts. We pray that you would be worshipped and magnified. Let me ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, Northside family, others who may be tuning in. We are so glad that you are worshipping with us in what is becoming, unfortunately, kind of our new normal. Uh, at least for the next several weeks. And so, our prayer for you is that you, whether you're by yourself or with your family, would just remove all distractions uh, where two or three are gathered. Uh, the Lord is with you. And so, right there in your living room or wherever you may be, the Lord is with you. Draw near to him, magnify his name, worship his name. Uh, Maybe you're tuning in uh, for the first time. Maybe you live here in the Noonan area or you're in another state and you're watching. We would love to to hear from you today. We'd love to hear from our Northside family. There's a number that will appear on the screen. Um, You can text in questions if there's a prayer need that you would like the staff to be praying for you uh, any comments that you have. You can text those in throughout the service, and uh, if you haven't been with us the last couple of weeks after the message, Pastor BJ and I will we'll dialogue and, and, and kind of work through those questions and um, just talk about our text, and so we'd love to hear from you. Uh, if this is your first time, let us know that. Send that in on the text message. Uh, again, we want to encourage you. I've been so encouraged um, from the Word of God Uh, These last several days and so uh, this morning I want to read from Jeremiah chapter 10 verse 6 is going to appear on the screen there Uh, We're going to pray through that verse in just a moment But I also want to read some other verses around this verse 6 says there is none like you. O Lord You are great and your name is great in might We're going to pray through that in just a moment But verse 7 says who would who would not fear you? O king of the nations for this is your due For among all the wise ones of the nations and in all their kingdoms, there is none like you. And then verse 10 says, but the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and the everlasting King. So right there where you are, take a moment, look over this verse and pray through it and give God the praise that there is none like him.
2: the Baptist he is the Father's son savior of the world and substitute for our sins more loving more holy and more wonderfully terrifying than we ever thought possible he is our Jesus and there is no other king like him he is our God our glory our victorious savior there is no other king like him There is no other king.
1: There is no other king like King Jesus. We're going to be in Mark chapter 11 this morning. It is Palm Sunday. Before we dive into our text, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we come to you. There is no other king. No other king. Lord, in a moment like this, there's so much that can be said. But what I think the most important thing that needs to be said is just to remind us and to be reminded that Jesus, you are king. And when we remember that, everything else... God will just take care of itself. and So as we take a look, God, at this text this morning, we pray that you would give me the words that need to be said, that it would result in salvation to the lost, glory to your name and joy to your people. That there is a king and he has come and he is coming again we cling to that truth today. So be glorified, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this account of the triumphal entry of Jesus entering into Jerusalem for the last time is recorded in all four Gospels. We're going to work our way through the account in the Gospel of Mark. Um, a couple years ago, I preached through the Gospel of Mark, and so I'm more familiar with Uh, with with what Mark's doing and and the layout of it. So, for example, Mark devotes 10 chapters, chapters 1 through 10, to the first three years of Jesus' ministry on, on earth, or the three years that Jesus ministered. He devotes 10 chapters to that. And then he will devote six chapters to one week. So 10 chapters to three years and six chapters to one week. We call this the Passion Week. It begins with Jesus' entry into Jerusalem on a donkey, and it will end with his resurrection from the dead. Danny Aiken in his commentary writes, With his arrival, the die is cast. There will be no turning back. The Lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world will now be slain in space and time. The atonement for sin ordained in eternity past now becomes historical for all to behold. So this morning, we look to the Scriptures, and we see King Jesus entering into Jerusalem. Notice six things about our King. Notice, number one, that Jesus is the divine King. Jesus is the divine King. Chapter 11, the Gospel of Mark, beginning in verse 1, Now when they... Jesus and the disciples and some others, when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples. Jesus is drawing near to Jerusalem. At this time of the year, Jerusalem would be buzzing with with people who came for Passover. Commentaries suggest anywhere from three to six times its normal size. Estimates ranging from one and a half million people to two million people are making their way as pilgrims to Jerusalem. Verse 2, Jesus said to them, go into the village in front of you and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say the Lord has need of it and will send it back here immediately. Now, what is taking place in these verses? As Jesus sends these two disciples to go get this colt, what is taking place? Well, it could be that Jesus divinely and supernaturally knows where the donkey will be. If that is the case, then this is more evidence that Jesus is God. For Jesus to know these supernatural things to where this donkey would be is evidence that he is God. Others suggest it's just a very detailed and prepared plan. Either way, it's clear that this moment has been planned from the beginning. And it will be fulfilled as exactly as Jesus says. Jesus is the divine king in human flesh. And he is entering into Jerusalem to die. If the disciples are asked, why are they taking the animal? They are simply to respond, the Lord has need of it. The Lord. Jesus is more than a master, more than a teacher, more than a rabbi. He is Lord. Lord of all. King of kings and Lord of lords. Our Jesus, our king, is the divine king. God in the flesh. Notice, secondly, that Jesus is the messianic king. He's the messianic king. Pay very close attention to what's about to happen here, beginning in verse 4. And they went away and found a colt tied at a door outside in the street, and they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, What are you doing untying the colt? And they told them what Jesus had said, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus, watch this, and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. This is the only time recorded in scripture where Jesus travels by animal. He travels by boat. He travels by feet. But this is the only occasion in his three years of ministry to our knowledge that he rides on an animal. Why? And why now? Well, we know that Jesus did everything with and for a purpose. Jesus knew how crowded the streets would be in Jerusalem during Passover. He knew the number of pilgrims that would be making their way there. So with all the pilgrims heading into Jerusalem, it is very likely that Jesus could have arrived incognito, without notice, without fanfare. He could have maybe snuck in among the crowds. That's not what he does. Instead, he mounts a colt. And he enters Jerusalem. Commentaries suggest that most everyone else would be walking. That's how you would enter into Jerusalem in this moment. But not Jesus. He's on a colt. Why? Why now? This is important. Because up until this point, you study the first ten chapters of the Gospel of Mark. Up until this point, Jesus has tried to conceal who he really is. Because he knows the crowds will misunderstand it. But at this moment... On this date in history, Jesus is publicly declaring his kingship. He is declaring the king is coming. The king is entering into Jerusalem. He is doing this to be noticed. His actions will speak loud and clear. The king is here. Jesus is the messianic king the Old Testament has been pointing to. Number three, notice that Jesus Is the prophesied king. He's the prophesied king. Jesus, yes, is declaring himself to be the messianic king, but in doing this, he is also declaring himself to be the prophesied king. Jesus' entry into Jerusalem in this way, as you study the scripture, fulfills scripture. Matthew makes this explicitly clear in his account in Matthew 21. Mark does not make note of that in our text, but what is happening here is a fulfillment of Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. If you look at that with me here on the screen, it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Look at that. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he, and how does he come humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey? Jesus, well aware of the Old Testament, is fulfilling Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. David Platt in his commentary writes God's people had repeatedly seen the tragedy of failed kings, but Zechariah held out hope, promising a day when God would send his king. Zechariah 9, nine specifies the way he would arrive. I like the way Justin Taylor words this. He says, "'Up to this point in Jesus' ministry, "'he could still have managed to live a long, happy, peaceful life. "'But his actions on Sunday set in motion a series of events "'that could result only in either his overthrow of the Romans "'and the current religious establishment or his brutal death.'" Make no mistake, Jesus is throwing down the gauntlet here. He enters into Jerusalem knowing his very reason for arriving is to be slaughtered as the lamb, the Passover lamb for the sins of the world. So as Jesus enters in on the colt, those gathered around him, right, worshiping, declaring Hosanna, that's not all that he does. After this event, it says that he'll walk in. Verse 11, he enters into the temple. He looks around at everything as it was already late. He went out to Bethany with the twelve. The next morning, which would be Monday morning, he comes back into the temple. And You know what he does? He begins to cleanse the temple. He says there in verse 17, and he was teaching them and saying to them, is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. Jesus is setting in motion the plan for him to be executed, for him to be crucified. For verse 18 says, and the chief priests and the scribes heard it and were seeking a way to destroy him. The divine king, the messianic king, the prophesied king has arrived and he is forcing the religious leaders and the authorities to respond. What will they do? Notice number four in our text that Jesus is the gentle king. He's the gentle king. Notice as you read through this, Jesus doesn't come in power. Jesus doesn't come in force. He comes in humility. He comes riding on a donkey. He comes with pilgrims and disciples waving palm branches. Steve Lambert, in describing the many differences between Jesus And Muhammad, the prophet, writes this. Perhaps the contrast is best symbolized by the way Muhammad rode into Mecca on a war horse. He was surrounded by 400 mounted men and 10,000 foot soldiers. Those who greeted him were absorbed into his movement. Those who resisted him were vanquished, killed, or enslaved. Mohammed conquered Mecca, he says, and took control as its new religious, political, and military leader. Now contrast that with King Jesus, who enters Jerusalem on a donkey, accompanied by his 12 disciples. He was welcomed and greeted by people waving palm branches, a traditional sign of peace. Notice there was no army. Notice there was no horses. Notice there were no weapons. Jesus came by invitation. He does not come by force. This morning I want you to understand that the King of Kings extends salvation to you and I. But the King of Kings comes not by force. He offers you eternal life. He extends salvation to you that comes through Jesus Christ. But he will not force you to believe. But he does desire that each of us come and put our faith and our trust in him. Jesus extends this invitation to us in the Gospel of Matthew when he says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus does not enter into Jerusalem with a legion of angels as he could have. No, he comes as the gentle king who will willingly lay down his life for us in just a matter of days. He's the gentle king, and he extends salvation to you and I this morning. But notice, fifthly, Jesus is the Savior King. He is the Savior King. What do the people begin to declare? Well, verse 8, "...and many spread their cloaks on the road." Some say this is a, a sign of their submission coming under Jesus, submitting to Jesus, coming in to Jerusalem. Many spread their cloaks on the road. Others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields, right? We we call this palm branches, palm Sunday. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The people shouted, Hosanna! By this time, that phrase hosanna had become an expression of praise or adoration. Like we may use the word hallelujah. They're declaring hosanna, hosanna. But this word hosanna, means more than that. Launida in their Greek lexicon says that this phrase hosanna was actually an Aramaic expression. Meaning, help I pray or save I pray. Hosanna literally meant save now. This is a quote from Psalm 118. Psalm 118, verse 25 and 26 says, Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. Verse 25, save us, we pray. Those root words, save us, the Hebrew word there means deliver save. The other word there means beg or beseech. It means save. Now we pray. These people are longing for a king. They are longing for salvation, for deliverance. We see this alluded to in verse 10 when it says, blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. This has political and a nationalistic ring to it. Again, why are all the pilgrims in Jerusalem this week? It's Passover week. They were coming to celebrate Passover. What did Passover remind them of? It was a feast that reminded them of the time when God rescued their fathers from slavery in Egypt and he brought salvation. How? through the blood of the Lamb. And here they are, longing for another salvation, longing for another deliverance, this time not from Egypt, but from Rome. They are expecting their king in fulfillment of Zechariah 9-9 to come riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, riding to the city of David to reestablish Israel's national sovereignty. And here comes Jesus on a donkey. They'd seen him raise Lazarus from the dead. Leading up to this, they see Jesus heal a blind man. They know Jesus can do mighty and powerful things. Here comes Jesus on a donkey. And they wanted to be delivered from Rome. But that is not why Jesus came. Jesus was not coming into Jerusalem to deliver them from Rome. He was coming to meet their real need which was not freedom from Rome or any political nation, but it was freedom from sin, freedom from guilt, freedom from Satan. Jesus is their king, all right, but he is not the type of king they wanted. They had in mind a temporal, political, military savior. They wanted a savior for the Jews only. But Jesus came for Jews and Gentiles. Jesus came to seek and save the lost John MacArthur writes, it is the Passover week of that year, and Friday will be the day when tens of thousands of Passover lambs will be slain, none of which can take away any one's sin. However, on this Passover, there will be one sacrifice made for sin that will take away the sins of all who have ever believed through all of human history. And it will be the sacrifice of the true lamb. Oh, hear me, Jesus didn't come only for the Jews. Jesus came for the world. He came to speak peace to the nations. Jesus isn't just for you and me. He's for sinners. He came to seek and save the lost. On this Palm Sunday, what does the world need to hear more than ever? They need to hear of a king. A king who will not ultimately save them from the coronavirus or from any political leader or nation or any ailment, but a king who will save them from their sins. King who will die and be raised from the dead. He is our Savior King. The week begins on a Sunday. It begins with Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. It begins with shouts of Hosanna, Lord, save now. By Thursday, the shouts will change. Others will begin to declare, Crucify him. Crucify him. By Thursday night, Jesus will be arrested. On Friday, he will be crucified. The Passion Week will end on Sunday, the day of resurrection. Jesus, on this Sunday, on Palm Sunday, is making it clear he is the king. But I want you to see one more thing. I want you to notice that Jesus is also the cosmic king. I said that the accounts of Jesus' entry into Jerusalem appears in all four Gospels. I want you to turn to Luke chapter 19. Because as they're they're writing, right, they're writing as the Spirit leads them and the Spirit of God leads Luke to include something that Mark does not include. And it's a phrase that I had heard most of my life. But I didn't always know the context of which it was mentioned. Notice that Jesus is the cosmic king. Luke 19, beginning in verse 38, it says, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Verse 39. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Tell them to be quiet. To cease their shouts. And what does Jesus say? He answered, I tell you, If these were silent, the very stones would cry out. Oh, church, hear me. Jesus isn't just a king over his people, the church. Jesus isn't just king over all who would believe and trust in his name. Jesus is a cosmic king. Jesus says, if you tell my disciples to be quiet, these very stones would begin to cry out. As to who I am. Oh, church, if we were to be silenced, if we were to never have a voice, and everyone who believed in God were to be be killed, do not think for a second that God's praises would cease. For the very cosmos would cry out because Jesus is the cosmic king. In a moment like this, where there is so much uncertainty, oh, church, be reminded that our God is still on the throne. He is alive, and he is ruling, and he is reigning over all things, over all creation. I love the power of music. I've said that so many times here these last several weeks. Music just stirs your soul. It it speaks to you. And one of those songs that I've heard in the last month or so is a song called Christ Be Magnified. And I I love the lyrics because it, in essence, is is putting to reality what it would look like if the cosmos, if the world could praise God with a voice. The first verse says, Were creation suddenly articulate, with a thousand tongues to lift one cry, then from north to south and east to west, we'd hear Christ be magnified. Were the whole earth echoing his eminence, his name would burst from sea and sky, From rivers to the mountaintops, we'd hear Christ be magnified. Oh, imagine, church, for a moment, if we could hear, if the mountains and the oceans and every animal were given a voice, and all together, all of them immediately would begin to magnify their creator. We see God's glory all around us. The chorus says, oh, Christ be magnified. Let his praise arise. Christ be magnified in me. I love what the bridge of that song, song says as we close here. It says, I won't bow to idols. I'll stand strong and worship you. And if it puts me in the fire, I'll rejoice because you're there too. I won't be formed by feelings. I hold fast to what is true. If the cross brings transformation, then I'll be crucified with you because death is just a doorway into resurrection life. And if I join you in your suffering, then I'll join you when you rise. And when you return in glory with all the angels and the saints, my heart will still be singing and my song will be the same. Oh, Christ, be magnified. Oh, church, the cosmic king has come and he is coming again. The first time he came, few bowed before him. Few. Yes, there were some, but they were few. But when this cosmic king comes the second time, the scripture is clear. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ, the divine messianic prophesied, humble, Savior, cosmic King, is King of kings and Lord of lords to the glory of God the Father. There is much that can be said to you right now, but the most important thing is simply this. Do you know King Jesus? And if you do, how is King Jesus changing your life day by day? Would you close your eyes and bow your head? Before Pastor BJ and I discuss the Word of God, and answer any questions you may have, I want to give you a moment just where you are to, to respond. Do you know the King of kings and Lord of lords? Because the day is coming, the Scripture is clear, when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Your choice is to bow now or to bow then. If you bow now, if you confess your sinfulness to Jesus and you turn from your sins and you cry out, King Jesus, save a wretched sinner like me. You came for me and I'm turning and trusting you. If you confess Jesus now, the scripture is clear. You will be given eternal life. You'll be raised from the dead. You'll have that life. You'll live abundantly forever with Christ. We want you to believe and trust in Jesus now. For if you put it off, if you think you're good and Jesus is not necessary for your life, hear me, you will bow. But then it will be too late. Or Jesus will say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, I never knew you. Listen, on this Palm Sunday, just days before Jesus would be crucified and raised from the dead, understand you can come to take hold of Jesus and be saved. And if you do know Jesus, church, let me just ask you this. How is this King Jesus changing you? How is having King Jesus in your life changing the way you see COVID-19? How is having Jesus in your life impacting the way you're navigating these uncertain days? A King Jesus changes everything. He's Lord. He's Savior. Take hold of Him. Believe in Him. Trust in Him. And declare Hosanna. Hosanna. Let's pray. Father God, we pray that Your Word was declared clearly and boldly. You are the King. You are our Lord. And God, this week as we work our way through Passion Week, we are going to see that You will suffer And you will die, but it does not end with your death because it will lead to your resurrection. It will lead to your appearing to eyewitnesses. It will lead to their lives being transformed. It will lead to your ascension. It will lead to the birth of the church. And it will lead to one day your coming for your bride. Come, Lord Jesus. God, before you come, my prayer is everyone who is hearing this, everyone who will watch this later, knows you, Jesus. Have trusted in you, and if anyone has just now given their life to you, cried out to you, saying for the first time they see that you are the fulfillment of the Old Testament, that you are the Messianic King, God in the flesh, Savior, Lord, Lord, that they would let us know so that we can rejoice with them and follow up with them and encourage them and help them to get connected, Lord, with the church, even where they are, or, Lord, here when we can resume worship. Or this is our prayer. You came to seek and save the lost, so do that today. We pray, save the lost. May the lost give their life to you. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank
3: you for that. Thank you for that, Aaron. Man, Jesus is King. Jesus is King. Um, You know, I was making notes here, and as I was going through, um, one thing that, that came to my mind was there are, or there were, in that in that time frame, in in that first century, there were at least three different groups or or sects of Judaism. And two of the ones are or more popular, or, or that we're more familiar with, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. but there's another group called the Essenes, mm-hmm. uh, and that the Essenes lived out they, they, they lived out of Jerusalem, over towards the Dead Sea, out in the wilderness. There's a lot of, a lot of people that believe that uh, John the Baptist was part of that group. But the reason I mention that is because of, of, a few years ago there was a discovery near the Dead Sea. It was a bunch of scrolls, and so they called it appropriately the Dead Sea Scrolls. That's right. That's but, right. they, but they give us some insight into some of the ideas of first century, and what were the Jews looking for? For, for so long, they were looking for a Messiah, but right. what kind of Messiah mm-hmm. were they looking for? And I was thinking through all of these things um, as, as you were sharing, that Jesus met all of the prophecies of the Messiah, yeah. but not in the way that those first century Jews thought yeah. the yeah. Messiah would. Mm-hmm. And so I'll, I'll break some of that apart here in just a minute, but I made some notes there. Awesome. And so, but before I share some of my, my thoughts, I I thought we would go straight to the text line here. And just uh, a couple of things about the text line. Uh, it is this this video is public, and it will be shared publicly, and so I've tried to not share names as you've texted in, but if, if you want me to share your name, if you, want, if you want Pastor Aaron and the rest of the church to know that you appreciated this sermon, I'll, I'll say your name, uh, but if you'd rather not, you can just indicate that also on, the, on the text, and so, there you go. man, I am getting flooded here with, um, oh, well, somebody shared a video, I, I, I'm going to have to pass on that for just a second and look at it a little bit later. Uh, here's a question. What is the historical or cultural significance of a donkey during the time of Jesus? Historical or cultural significance? Uh, just in my mind, there's the idea of humility. Yeah. Uh, but maybe as you were studying this passage, was, was there something else that... I, the, 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 That came up as I was studying. I didn't really
1: come across any of that. Okay, as far as the significance, that's a good question. We can look into it though.
0: Humility,
3: as opposed to, like you like you shared about um, Muhammad, who came in on on a horse horse, and there's lots of fanfare. Now it's interesting too, what you said that he didn't just walk into Jerusalem this time, and 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 again this this happened. I was writing this down. He rode a colt. To be noticed, but so often before that, he tried everything to not be noticed. He, he would heal somebody and say, now, don't go yep, and tell anybody. Yep, yep. And, but now's the time. And so now, it's a little different. He's riding in on a donkey to be noticed, but it still isn't like a great deal of fanfare as Correct. an yeah. earthly king might yeah. have. Yep, exactly. Um, but I would have to look into that a little bit more to really fully answer that question. Um, somebody says... Did the two of you coordinate your shoes this morning? I did. I found one that fit my left foot <laughs> yeah, and one that fit, fit my right yeah. foot, and I put them all works. And, that works good yeah. that way. So...
1: There you go. You got that. You okay, so that? We, we got we got some information from I, the, I, that was from David Mazden. He's out yeah. in the parking lot. I almost said David, David would know, but <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so they were not allowed to go down to Egypt to purchase uh, horses,
3: and so donkeys represented kingship. kingship. And so oh, here know. we here we are again with that theme of, of, king of kingship and kingliness. Um, so thank you for that. Appreciate that. The intro video before the message was very moving. Thanks for all that y'all are doing from the praise band, the message, the follow up also. So we've got that. Someone says, What was the name of the song Pastor Aaron referenced toward the end of the sermon?
1: Christ be magnified. Um, Christ be magnified. I'm trying to think who sings that song? Cody Carnes. Christ be magnified. Really, really good song.
3: All right, I've got a I got a, a question for you. This one this one coming in. Oh great. Uh, some versions or some some of the some of the text we read says colt, and some say donkey. And so the question is, which one was it? And I think it's a, it's I, I think it's the same, same thing. I yeah. think that uh, it it is it is the exact same thing. Yeah. Uh, A a colt is a young donkey. As a young donkey. There you go.
0: That's what I was going to say.
3: That's what I believe. Um, Thank you all, Pastor Aaron and Pastor BJ, for being willing and available vessels to be used by God in such an impactful way at this time. Thank you for continuing to shepherd us, his people, and pointing us to him, reminding us where our hope lies. We love you all, and God bless you both and, and your families. Uh, let's see. Isn't Jesus riding in on a donkey also saying he's the son of David and the king? Yep. 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 Correct. He had Solomon ride on his donkey to say he's the king now. That's right. Yes. Exactly. Uh, so we're going to look. One of the things, one of the ideas of the of the Messiah was that he would be a king like David, and so this is very appropriate Correct. as well. Yep. Yep. I'm going to highlight that in a minute. And then, any plans to stream a Good Friday service? Uh, do you want to answer that question?
1: We're still thinking through that, talking through that. So at the end, we'll have some announcements that we need to share with you, and um, that's one thing we're thinking through. Uh, so we, we will do something, whether it's streamed, I don't know, but it may be something we put together and that you can just watch. All right, so there are some names
3: being shared here, so I'm going to assume that that's okay to share. Uh Terry Vega said, Edgar and I joy, enjoyed, this, enjoyed the sermon. Uh, someone says, great message. Thanks to Aunt Barb and Uncle Jim for the invite this morning. So shout out to some of our members. Um, Thankful for our leaders that are helping us keep Christ in our homes through this time when we have to be apart. We can't wait to raise our little boy under your guidance and leadership from the cellars. So there we go. Um, I appreciate everything y'all are doing. Great sermon. May God bless you all. That's what I have right now. Let me go back to this this idea of a Messiah. There were were really three main ideas of of who the Messiah could be. One is, we've already mentioned, uh, someone, a king like David, someone that would come in and establish the kingdom of Israel through military might, through conquest. And I think that is a lot of what was what they were looking at on this Palm Sunday when they see him riding in on the colt, just like we've already mm-hmm. mentioned, that there's this picture. Okay, so he's coming in, yeah. and that's why they were saying, Hosanna, save yeah. us, because I, I wrote down, so save us from what? Why were they crying? Was this a selfish cry, save us, uh, save us for us? Uh, and, and before we get too critical, I, I think about even right now in this moment was we cry out to God, save us from this COVID-19. Are we mm-hmm. doing that so that we can go uh, back to the amusement park? Are we doing Correct. that so that yeah. we can go and play and, and, and watch Major League Baseball yeah. again? Or uh, are we saying, God, save us so that the whole world can give you glory? There you go. I mean, yeah. is, it, is it for mm. us or is it for him? Uh, and, and I think they were looking for someone like David because they were under the oppressive regime of, you know, Caiaphas was their priest, but he was oppressive. Yeah. And Herod was their king, and he was oppressive. And even, as you mentioned, Rome and, and their influence. And it, it was a very oppressive time for them as they were shouting out. A couple of other ideas. They were looking for someone that would maybe be like a priest, a, a Levitic priest. If you read the book of Hebrews, which... Um, I thought that maybe the Pope had read Hebrews a couple of weeks ago, as he said, "If you can't make it to your priest, you can pray directly to God." And I thought, "How how about that? The Book of Hebrews is a fantastic read. Uh, That that Jesus is like that priest. He came; his blood is is the one. He's the priest and the Lamb. He goes into the temple and he pours out his own blood there um, through, through through the cross, and so he covers us, but not exactly the way that." The first century Jews were looking and then the last one is someone like a prophet like, like Moses who would be able to stand before the oppressive regime of that day, have a, this really special connection with God, but to deliver his people. Mm-hmm. And so a, a prophet, a priest, and king, I'm sure you've heard those How about that? Yeah. terms before. They were looking for someone, uh, a, a Messiah like that.
1: And Jesus Christ is all three of those things, the prophet, the priest, and the king. So, it's good stuff. Exactly.
3: Right? Yeah. He is those, but just not, not the way that they were looking for Not the way, yep. Um, so, would some of the first century Jewish expectations of what the Messiah would be be better understood as occurring at his second coming? That's an interesting idea, and I think, I think maybe so, because when we see Jesus come back, he will be riding a white yeah. horse, not yeah. a donkey. And yeah. his, his robe will, it will yeah. be dipped in blood. Um, and, and that is a conquering king. In fact, yeah. it's, a, it's a great question. I read uh, something a couple of years ago that said, when you pray, and, and as you pray and you think about Jesus, what image comes to mind? Do you, you think about a little baby in the manger? Do you think about this gentle... Kind of servant who has a child on his knee and he's blessing them, and or do you think of someone who is is able to bless some bread and feed thousands, or do you think of the guy that's coming back, the the the, the all cosmic king? Do you, is that the picture that you have of his eternal king on his throne uh, when he comes back on the world? Because that's who you should think of, yeah. Because that's who he is now, as he's seated at the right hand of God as this eternal king. Yeah. And you think of that, it just kind of changes your attitude in, in prayer.
1: Yeah, I had uh, one ahead. of the commentaries, and there's so much more, obviously, that could be said in a sermon. I'm trying to preach a little bit shorter, 20 to 25 minutes, so we have plenty of time to, to dialogue. But one thing I saw in one of the commentaries was the difference between Jesus' first coming and his second coming. Um, first time he came to die, second time he'll come to reign. First time he came on a little donkey, second time he's coming on a warrior horse. Uh, he came as a humble servant. The first time he will come as an exalted king. The second time, first time he was given a crown of thorns. Second time, he'll receive a crown of royalty. First time he came as the suffering servant. The second time he will come as king of kings and lord of lords. So he will come in more of that triumphant, glorious way the second time. So that, that right. makes, that's a good question.
3: Uh, someone asked, when did the people of Israel know that Jesus was the true Messiah and not just another king? Did it take him rising from the dead to prove to everyone? Well, I'll just mention a couple of things. I think it just depends on the person. Mm-hmm. Mary, when she was visited by Gabriel, knew that this was the Messiah. Uh, so, so early on, some people were, were there. He did have some followers obviously. He had his his apostles. You think of even Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a a priest but he knew there was something different about him. But then look at Peter. Peter right up until the crucifixion denied Jesus. He, He claimed he wouldn't. He claimed he wouldn't fall away but he denied Jesus three times. But yes not just the crucifixion but then the resurrection. We see Peter on the on, on, on the seas- on the seashore afterwards, having fished with Jesus, and he's been restored. Uh, that in just a few chapters into the book of Acts, now it's not that Peter is denying him. Peter's mm-hmm. willing to go to prison for Jesus. G- uh, Peter is willing to uh, willing to die for Jesus. In fact, all the apostles are willing to die for Jesus, uh, and so. There was, yes, something significant yeah. about the resurrection. I, yeah. I think some people believed he was the Messiah beforehand. Peter even confessed he was the Messiah, the Son of the living God. But there was something that is especially significant about the resurrection. So yeah. I don't know if you want to add to that. No, that,
1: that, that, that was good. That was good. Um,
3: are we going to do a drive-in for or sunrise? For Easter, something special for Easter, so we, we'll address that at yeah, the we'll end. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there our, in Our minute. special thing, so Good thank, question, you. thank you for that. Um, same thing with Good Friday and the uh, cross that's out there. We've had people, uh, like a display of Jesus on the cross before. Um, someone says, he is the cosmic king. Love it. I wanted to shout, but thought I might scare my wife.
1: <laughs> Go right ahead. <laughs> Amen, hallelujah, whatever you want to say, right there in your living room, raise your hands, whatever you want to do. That's right. Start practicing for when we can gather back
3: together. The, and then someone says, the symbolism of the palm leaves, this is victory. Uh, and they say, is that, is that right? And, and yeah, yeah. I, I believe that's right as well. Yeah. This, is, this is victorious. This is what was laid down before a, a king as, as yeah. victorious. Um, Someone sends in a passage of Scripture, 1 Peter 2, 5. You also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up uh, spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus. And then uh, his commentary on that, as the disciples were silenced, stones, which is the church, began to cry out. So that's an interesting Mm -hmm. idea as well that we are and And that's an application I've written down some applications of this that Jesus is king. what does that mean for us um, and and that is one of the applications that we are the mouthpiece mm-hmm. of of Jesus right now uh if, if the the Holy Spirit it dwells within us, the church goes out, we are to proclaim the gospel we're to proclaim the good news. in fact, I wrote down second uh, corinthians five twenty says We are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were entreating through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And so an ambassador, an ambassador is someone that represents, that has the authority to represent a a sovereign state. You know, as, as, as we go over to another country, whenever we've gone to Ecuador, we have stayed in a school where... You know, there's there's security around this school. It's it's a nice place for us to stay. But there are ambassadors' children from all around the world that attend school at this facility. Hmm. And so, I just I'm I'm reminded that as that ambassador comes from another country into you know into another country, that they represent the the authority of that country. And so, if we are ambassadors of Christ, we represent the kingdom of God. And we represent Christ wherever we step foot. And yeah. so in this world, wherever we go, we're representing Christ. And the message that Paul attaches to that, I mean, he even says, as though God were entreating through us, we are ambassadors as if God is speaking through us. And here's the message. On behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Hmm. I mean, that, that's our message. Yeah. That's, that's the gospel yeah. message that we are to proclaim. Let's see if I've got some other... Thoughts here. Um, So I know that we've gotten a couple of texts in from people who uh, maybe maybe visitors. I I would love to see this. If if you're not a church member, if you're not a member of Northside, Mm -hmm. we're we're just curious. Would love to see and know who you are. If you don't mind sending, you know, hey. Here, we're the Jacksons from Sheboygan, Wisconsin. I mean, I, or wherever you might be from. That that would be that that'd be awesome for us. Um, it's just just an encouragement, and we would like to know yes, that'd be great. where you're all listening from. Um, did you have any other comments or notes? Anything that, that popped up?
1: No. I, the only the only thing I keep thinking of as we go through this Passion Week. You know what it must have been like for the disciples, because I, I would believe coming in. You know, with Jesus riding on this donkey, it must have been just this, this high point, I think, in their life. And then come Friday when they see him killed and he's abandoned, what that must have felt like. Um, to go from the highest point to the lowest point. Yeah. But then when Jesus appears, everything changes with them. I mean, it's, oh, it's everything changes. So, you know, as we go through this week, as we continue to work our way through this COVID-19 um I and mean, understand that we're on this side of the resurrection, on this side of the cross. We have a resurrected Savior. And everything that we study leading up to the next week is pointing to the fact that Jesus is alive. And that's our hope. And I think the greatest evidence to the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the change in the disciples. I mean, they were completely changed from Absolutely. Peter denying him to now Peter's ready to die for him. And so yeah. we have a resurrected Savior.
3: And, and even, even Paul. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
3: Someone you mentioned coronavirus. Someone says, is the coronavirus an act of God like the plagues on Egypt? So, you know, God is sovereign in, in all things. Sometimes I think he allows things to happen. Sometimes I think he causes things to happen. And so um, oftentimes uh, calamity or illness is a direct result of my sin. Mm-hmm. If if I've been a drunkard for thirty years and then I say, "Oh well, I have cirrhosis of the liver," I can't look at God and say that you you caused yeah. this. Well, yeah. the result of my sin caused this to happen. There are other times that we get sick and we and we we can't say God caused this directly. Uh, the blind man uh, was was seated and and yeah. and Jesus asked, and, and his apostles asked him said. Well, who sinned that this man was born blind? Was it him or his parents? And Jesus said, no. It's so yeah. that God may be glorified, yeah. and, and, he, and he heals him right there. And so the, the coronavirus, I, man, I, I don't know that I can say God sent that. Yeah. As, it, it's certainly not like a, a plague, but it's here, and God can certainly use it. Yeah. God can certainly use it to be for, for his yeah. glory. I don't know if you want to share or add anything yeah, to that. Yeah, it's,
1: we got to be careful. Um. People say, is this God judging America or judging the world? I don't think we can definitively say that. Um, You know, you have in the Old Testament prophets, thus saith the Lord. You know, God isn't going to speak to me and give me a revelation outside of his scripture. So could God be using this to bring about judgment, to bring about repentance? Absolutely. But let us be very, very careful because there are some preachers out there that are saying, this is an act of God. He's damning, judging America I don't know if we can say that. I mean, obviously, at some point, it's all going to end. Jesus is coming. So things are going to get worse before they get better. And so we understand that. Right. But we've got to be really careful in moments like these to try to pick apart and say things that God himself has not said. I don't know if that makes sense or not. Yeah, it
3: does. Yet. I remember when Hurricane Katrina hit New Orleans, a lot of people yeah. said that's God's judgment on New yeah. Orleans. Well, it was interesting. And I take it kind of personal because that's where I got my yeah. education from, that the seminary was flooded. But the French Quarter was high and dry. I'm like, well, if that was God's judgment, if, if that's what that was, he missed it. I mean, you, 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 yeah. should, you should flood the places that are full of the filth, right? And not the yeah, places. And good, so um, we have to be point. real careful with that. Um, all right, we've got Melissa from Houston, Texas. And we've got all right. Larry and Bonnie Morris from Lexington, Lexington Kentucky. That's Kentucky. You know folks in yeah, Kentucky. Yeah, th- that, that so? right there. That's the
1: best in-laws on the face of the, the planet oh, right okay. there. Yeah, that's Ryan's right. mom. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah.
3: Uh, fantastic. Um, well, I wanted to mention one other thing, just really kind of tying in this week's sermon with last week's sermon. Right. So last week we talked about weeping. And most people, if you ask them, did Jesus ever weep, immediate, the first response is, at. At, at the death of Lazarus, you know, just before, yeah. and he sees the crowds, and, and he, and, it, and that's the shortest verse, he, uh, Jesus wept, yeah. but he also wept again shortly after he rides into town on a donkey, mm-hmm. and he looks over Jerusalem, and the book of Luke records that for us, the book of Luke records Jesus weeping uh, after the triumphal entry, and they, they, they say all these things about him, uh, in Luke 19, 41, and when he approached, he saw the city and wept over mm. it. And he said, if you had known in this day, even you, the things which make for peace, but now they have been hidden from your eyes. And I've got uh, this, this book. Just, it's, it's really like a commentary that someone uh, wrote. This is uh, Kingdom Grace Judgment uh, by Robert Farrar Capon. I don't know if I said his name correctly. I know I got Robert correctly, but he says he says this. Though Jesus has been aware all along that he's riding straight into the teeth of non-acceptance, the fact now hits him emotionally in a mm. peculiarly powerful way. Mm. Everything he has predicted is now coming home to roost, and the sad enormity of it overwhelms him with both pity and anger. Pity that the city cannot accept him and anger that it will not. And... And I think sometimes we, just as you said last week, uh, when's the last time that I've wept over lostness? Yeah. When's the last time I've wept for someone that I know and love to receive the gift of eternal life through yeah. through Jesus? And we see even Jesus as He's coming in, and they're they're celebrating Him as King. They're celebrating Him as a Messiah that they think that they have this picture in mind. And Jesus sees this, and he knows that they're missing it. Yep. I'm sure he knows in just a few days all these people that are, that are there that, hmm. that many of them will, will go away, uh, that they will flee from him. And uh, it's just uh, yeah. just an amazing picture that it's, it's okay to weep even when we are in the midst of something that should be joyous. Yeah, that's good. Uh, so That's good. That's really all I have as far as the the sermon and, and and ideas here. Um didn't know if you had anything else. I do have a couple of announcements though. Yeah, I
1: just have some announcements too. So um, All right. So
3: that's that's all the messages that have that have come in that I, that I've seen. Um, one thing I wanted to remind everyone is I sent out an email this past week asking for Just a short video uh, of you giving a word of encouragement or sharing some scripture. Uh, Maybe even you just want to say, I love Northside Baptist Church because, and just fill in the blank. Now, in that, there were a few things I want to keep it fairly short. What what I'm planning to do is to gather all of these videos and then splice them together into one longer video since we can't gather on Easter morning and show that video and let let you all speak to each other and so we at least see your face and we can all see each other's faces and 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 the smile on your face and uh... and so if you will do that uh, so far i've gotten one video in and so I'm, I'm hoping that i get hoping i get fifty or sixty more Yes, please send those but i do want you to keep it to about ten seconds if if everybody shoots a minute-long video, then that's all we'll have for Easter, That'll and uh, either either that or I'll just cut and keep the pieces that I like the best, so, um, so, would, but but seriously, would love for you to do that. If you need help recording that and sending it to me, just reach out to me and, and let me know. Did you want to share anything about next week? Or? Uh,
1: yes, so we're three weeks in uh, doing this, and with President Trump's guidelines extending through the month of April, the reality is this is going to be our normal, uh, at least for the month of April. And whenever we can gather back together, we have to understand things are going to look a little bit different for a while as far as sitting apart from one another, uh, no handshaking, all that stuff. So we have to understand this is serious. This is real. Um, Over a thousand people, I think, died yesterday. So the question then becomes, what do we do about next week for Easter Sunday? Um, BJ and I have had some conversations about this. Uh, I know I've wrestled with this. I wanted to do some kind of drive-in, something where we could gather and still see each other. Uh, I was on a conference call with Georgia Baptist. It was more of a a webinar, um, watching uh, Georgia Baptist leaders with the governor, Governor Kemp. Um, And the decision that we've made, uh, look, my sister is a nurse. My mom works in a hospital you all know Lindsay is a nurse. We just feel, collectively, unanimously, the wisest thing for us to do is just to continue to do what we're doing. Um, if we come, there's so many regulations, stipulations we have to follow. You are going to be confined to your vehicle. To us, I just don't know if it made sense. It's the safe, and, and BJ can speak more on, on that. To us, the wisest best thing to do to reach you and other people is to continue to do What we do and at some point we will gather together and we can plan on having like a two hour long service and we can just rejoice and celebrate but for now we're just going to live stream the way we have next sunday you have anything you want to add to that
3: yeah i mean bathrooms become an issue uh because either you're gonna have to go home to use the restroom or we have to have someone to wipe down the bathroom after every person that comes in and, and we have to totally clean everything and that's just really complicated um logistically, if, if we have some people that don't want to come, then we've got to figure out how to live stream and do other things. It's just, yeah. uh, it warms my heart that people want to be together, yes. though. And so maybe that, that longing, that time apart, we're, we're looking forward to, to wanting to be together. Uh, and we want to, in, in my stance is I don't want to just abide by the letter of the law. I want Correct. to abide by the spirit of the law as well. And I think the spirit of the law is is that we uh, that we stay as safe as possible, and so that's why yeah. we're we're trying to to, to do that. Yeah. But um, man, I I can't wait until we're all oh, man, I good either. and
1: clear. I can't um, either. I,
3: I did get a question on here, and I think it, it is a really to fully answer the question would take a really long time. It's just talking about God's sovereignty and how mm. uh, man works, and and does God you know things to happen and if, if we pray does that is asking God to change his will So there, I want that person to know and I did text that person back but I want you to know I'm not ignoring you I just know yeah. that will take a long time In to depth, discuss yeah. and but Pastor Aaron and I we make a commitment right now we're going to reach back out to you to get that uh, that's a great question get that answer. So that's a great
1: question I had one other announcement but you want to remind everybody about what we're doing this week with the food and how we need People to help. I know you just got another message in.
3: Yeah, well, so this is this is public, so I can't say everything because I don't. We just want, need. We just need. some. Yeah, but food but to I do need that. people to bring in some, some food. Uh, Correct. Yeah, we're we're trying to to help our community out. And so I just, I just, we just need people to bring food. If you have questions about that, yeah. I would say just go back and check your email. If Correct. you didn't get an email about it, then let me know. And we'll, we'll send that information to you. Yeah, but we do that's, need that's that in true, yeah. by tomorrow.
1: Yeah, check your emails. And if you didn't get an email, just text us, and we can tell you what we need you to do. So that's right. I just had one other announcement, just to just kind of let you know. Uh, if you're kind of like me, um, you guys can continue to give. We encourage you to give. You just go to the website. It'll walk you through how to give. Uh, I know many of you are sending in checks. Uh, If you're like me, uh, when you write a check, you're waiting for that check to clear. Not because you don't have the funds, just because you like stuff to clear your bank. Um, So typically what we do is we go to the bank every Monday um, and we deposit those checks. I went to our bank last Monday and waited in line for about 45 minutes. Uh, Because you can't go in, you have to go through, you got to drive up and deposit. So, at this moment, we're probably not going to deposit your checks weekly. Thank goodness we don't have to. Um, So, if you're wondering, did you get my check? Why isn't it cleared? It's because we're probably not going to the bank every Monday and waiting an hour in line. Um, So, I just wanted you to know, you don't have to email or call the office and say, hey, did you get my check? Why isn't it cleared? Give it a couple weeks. And if it still doesn't clear, then you can call and make sure we received it. So, I just wanted you to know that if you were wondering, why is my check not cleared yet? So. So that's the only other announcement I had. Anything else you got? I got a verse I'm going to close us with, but do you have anything else? Uh-huh.
3: Just, we are looking to do something. We know that this is Passion Week. We know that yeah. Good Friday's coming and, and then Easter's coming, and so there's some special things that we want to do. And So I'm looking to figure out what are some unique ways to uh, celebrate this week while we are apart. Uh, it It may be that we send out some text messages during the week, that's just to remind you of some of the events that mm-hmm. took place during that first uh, Passion Week. And uh, but but we're gonna we're gonna do something yeah. something different. Just don't know what it is yet, and we will let you know. Yeah, so that's all I have. I just want to
1: end our time together with a verse of Scripture from First Thessalonians chapter two. I actually saw somebody post this earlier uh, this morning on my on my Twitter feed and. Uh, I just love it, and it's First Thessalonians chapter two, verse seventeen. It says, "But since we were torn away from you," this is the apostle Paul. "But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face." Now, church, I feel like we've kind of been torn away from one another during this time, um, not in heart, but in person. I just want you to know that I am eagerly and with great desire longing for the time that we can be together face to face once again. So do not lose heart. Keep your eyes on King Jesus. The tomb is empty, and that changes everything. Let's close with a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you. God, I'm so thankful this morning for our church family. God, that you have blessed my family with. Lord, as, as we think about doing these short videos about how the church has impacted us or an, an encouraging word from Scripture, or when I think about Northside, I, I don't know if I could say what I wanted to say in 10 seconds. Um, and Lord, I've only been here for four months. And so God, I can't imagine um, how hard it is for our folks who are used to seeing each other uh, multiple times a week used to gathering. I can't imagine how hard it is for our Awana teachers and our Sunday school teachers not to be able to see the kids that they pray for daily and they love on. Lord, we are longing to be back together face to face. So Lord, I'm just praying that as we're in this season of being distant from one another physically, Lord, that you would just continue to raise up different ways for us. Lord, maybe take us back to where we communicated more by just speaking with someone on the phone instead of texting. Lord, maybe take us back to those days where we'll send more cards in the mail. What an encouragement it is, Lord, to get a card. Hmm. Father, we know we're trying to navigate these new waters of of doing Sunday school through Zoom or watching a video online or Wednesday night Bible study or even worshiping uh, God through these means. But I'm thankful that we can at least do that. And Lord, I pray that you will use these avenues, these means that you have blessed us with in this time to keep our hearts encouraged. And Lord, my prayer, God, is when we gather back together, when it is finally safe for everyone to come back together, God, that we will see new faces. People who were watching videos and listening to preaching and hearing the gospel who had never stepped foot in a church, but were afraid. And were scared. And they had more access to it than ever because more people were posting it. Lord, that they will come by the thousands, God, by the millions, yes. that people will give their life, hmm. their heart to you. God, you are doing something. You are speaking. You are working. Oh, God, may we be still and hear the voice of our cosmic King. Thank you for Pastor B.J., God, for the work that he's doing. Lord, continue to bless him. Lord, we we pray for Lindsay, and Lord, we pray for others who are in the medical field. Lord, if I start naming them by names, I'll forget people. Lord, they are heroes at this time, and God, we thank you for them. We thank you for our first responders, our doctors. Lord, bless them. Watch over them. Guide them. And, Lord, one of the best ways we can show them, hey, we love you and we're thankful for you, is simply to stay home. As hard as it may be to do these things that are recommended so that as quickly as possible, this virus can be under control, our medical staff won't be overwhelmed, and so that people will, will not be dying by the hundreds and the thousands. Lord, we thank you, God, for the time that we can gather. We pray, God, for this week as we walk our way through this Passion Week that we will see the hope that is in Jesus Christ. A hope for yesterday, a hope for today, a hope for tomorrow and for all eternity. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name,
0: amen.